we're live, Lensec Live. You got to go check out again, what's your perspective? And you can go to lensec.com slash live to check out all of our episodes. And we continue to bring on fantastic people. And I am excited about our guests because it's time to really talk school. As I maybe never mentioned, I'm a former educator that taught nine years in the schools. I don't know if I ever brought that up. So I'm excited to welcome program first. My co-host Keith Harris. Keith, how are you? Did hey, I ever bring that up in an interview that I've no. taught nine years? No, I don't think I've ever heard you bring that up before. Yeah, that's no, really awesome. I, have a, yes, <laughs> I went to a lot of school. I never taught school though. Yeah, so I have that experience as an educator. That's taught me to become a better communicator. I really uh, thank having those years in teaching to be able to really have the communication level that I have. I really, from that and some of my other backgrounds we talked about for sure. But our guest, Keith, I mean, I know you're excited. When we have this guy on, he provides such great information. It's always great to talk to Guy Grace. Yeah. Yes. So we have Guy Grace from Pass. Guy, how are you? And uh, just, I guess I can mention now, your job has changed since last I time. I retired we after 30... Three age partner lines for safer schools and the the uh, innovation institute for fan experience and those are my two focuses now and they're uh, on the k-12 through perspective interesting and we'll have to talk about that latter and maybe if we have any time but guy we have you on because we have breaking news again about the guidelines are out for this year and uh, the new uh, past guidelines so tell us specifically a little bit about this is the fifth fifth, fifth edition is that correct Yes, sir. Since uh, 2014, we have put out five editions of the past recommendations, and they've been a very successful, uh, how do I say, tool for school administrators, integrators, and manufacturers across the country and the world. And again, as I would say, our revisions have been very effective, but you know what we've done is uh, done them in a common sense approach, holistic way that helps school districts to evolve in a way that they can. We have to be very realistic. When we look at schools in the United States right now, we're looking at school districts are probably spending about 1% of their uh, budget, overall budget on school safety, or maybe even 2%. And we have to be very holistic. Schools have to be very holistic in how they're doing their deployment of their money and their technology, especially when we're dealing with the COVID times right now. It's, it's such a challenge, such a challenge. We've talked a lot of, on this uh, show about the Partner Alliance for Safer Schools, but there's probably some people watching who have never heard of it. So let's back up and start there. What What is PASS and the Partner Alliance for Safer Schools? Well, PASS is a, it's a, it's a conglomerate or consortium of volunteers from the security industry, such as, you know, manufacturers, video management systems, uh, access control systems, the the motion detectors, the alarms and the detections. And then there are integrators in there, integrators that put in the security systems. And then there are volunteers like myself, school officials, uh, superintendents, school psychologists, though uh, parents, we have a multitude of people, especially uh, in this last year, we expanded our advisory uh, committees 
and they include many, many uh, different individuals from across sector, even competing uh, that are competitors in the market, so to say. But what we're trying to do is make sure that we can get the best practices going forward that a school district can deploy in their in their security operations in a good way. Very interesting. And so, again, I think it's the perfect guidelines to have. And then one thing you mentioned, and I also think uh, before about Homeland Security and stuff, how you guys are working with them in a way that they recognize you with the guidelines. Is that correct? Oh, gosh. You know, as a... <laughs> For me, and you know, like Mark Williams and many of the other, you know, the you know, the people that are not affiliated with any uh, businesses, or you know, our time, we're spending probably 40, 50 hours a week working with different vendors, working with the uh, Homeland Security, different organizations on every given day. Just you know, I, I've been so busy in the last month since I retired, I can't believe it. You know, uh, just working, working, working to you know, go forward and make the, put the best things that we can do for our country and our world in school safety. And I think we're, we're helping with that. And it's an honor to be a part of that, but it's also really cool and really good to see all of these organizations that are caring about this, you know, you know, people are realizing, especially with, you know, COVID right now, how important it is for us to keep our kids in school and, and to keep them safe in school. You know, because if our kids aren't in school, we're, our economy is not going to be functioning the way it should be. And I think that, and I'm not saying schools are daycare centers, but what, but they do uh, enable our parents to work. And they, parents want our kids to be in school, mostly they do. And we need to make sure that they're safe as possible. And, and even though we're talking, I, I just mentioned COVID, all of the other threats have not disappeared and that we have mitigated in the past and we need to be prepared for the all hazards. Mm -hmm. So a lot's changed in the last year uh, regarding school safety. You know, uh, mostly over the summer, getting into the new school year, there's been uh, big, big changes in the way schools are, are going about their day-to-day -day business in trying to keep kids safe. What have you seen that's, uh, that's been some, some of the standouts in regards to uh, um, safety. Well, you know, you look at how it's so different from coast to coast and, and, and community to community. You know, for example, where I live now in uh, the rural Wyoming, that, you know, none of my, my kids have been in school the entire time. My son played his, played his football season. Now he's into wrestling and his basketball, you know, but they're, they're doing this with all masks on and they're doing that, but they're, you know, at least the kids are getting some normalcy. But then when we go to a different state, so to say, and you you're, you have a lot of in-place, uh, in-person learning. You look in Colorado right now, partial in-play, in-person learning and partial out, out or now they're going to go into uh, uh, remote learning all the way. And you're, you're seeing that across the country that as the spike goes on and as, and as the more populated areas, the more restrictive the actions are going to be. But again, it, there, there has not been a one-size-fits-all response to COVID anywhere. If, as no we, more snow days, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> again, you just brought it up. There's a hazard. That, you know, there's a hazard. Uh, you know, we, th that has not disappeared. The, the things, the weather has not disappeared. The, the disgruntled parent hasn't disappeared. In fact, you, get, you know, think about that. There's probably more 
more stress in family life now than any other time. And, and people could be mad and come and show up at the school. And that's why we need video management systems and integrated audio and things. We can't, you know, so that's my biggest fear right now as we're going through COVID is we're diverting a lot of money uh, for plexiglass and other yeah. things to, to combat COVID. But all the other hazards have not disappeared, but the budgets have not increased. Now, there are opportunities through the CARE Act for schools to, to obtain funding. There, you know, I understand that Project Serve has a little uh, money as well that schools can tap into. I heard it was something like $100 million, and not many schools have tapped into that yet. The mm -hmm. E-rate, we can tap into that a little bit as well, uh, being creative and things. But there's, but again, those you know when you're spreading those kinds of dollars around, it's very limited for you know for the 58 million students that we have in our going into our school nation schools every day. Exactly, unless another uh, stimulus is uh, brought out that's going to bring into schools, then we won't expect uh, as much of. Uh, 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 you know, uh, a budget for security. They'll be the same, not extra, which everyone does need. Now, Guy, uh, when you brought up schools, I'm calling all over the country as well and talking to different school educators and stuff. There's to the point of just straight uh, in California, Washington, where it's all all remote learning. So you really cannot, when you travel the country, you're seeing so many different uh, security plans when it comes to COVID-19, right? Yes, uh, you're it's again, it's, you know, there's some of them that are very thorough and, you know, most of them are very thorough, but there are some just like in, you know, the past incidents and things like that, that there is some weaknesses out there as well. But again, that's not, not my job to say to them that, you know, you're in my impression is you're weak, but there are mostly 99% have some very strong COVID response plans, but my concern is, and as I said this before to everybody, as you'll know, and I'll harp on this, is my concern is that there, the all eyes are on that, and maybe in some cases the eyes aren't on the old, the older threats that have not disappeared. That's my concern, and and I've heard that from many other security directors. I can and, just imagine one more, one school shooting or one serious incident, and wow, then everyone's mind on thinking COVID and, and is gone because again, who knows if our guards are down. Uh, so that's a great point to bring up, especially in this tough time, especially with the civil unrest that we're seeing like in Philadelphia, luckily it's not, you know, spilling over to schools yet. And that's, yeah. That was a, that was one thing that we, in the past, in the, you know, some of the past recommendations that we have done recently if not in the document, but was a record, just what you just hit it, Neil, is social unrest. And for schools to tighten up their pro, their, their social unrest uh, emergency plans, so, so to say, how are they going to deal with student walkouts? How are they going to deal with uh, students wanting to participate in the marches or the other social unrest that is arising? And uh, we have a week coming up next week, as we know, the, uh, the, the election. And... <laughs> uh, it's going to be interesting what happens during that next week. What I mean is not saying who's going to win the election or what I mean is what's going to happen with society for the next couple of weeks. It's, as we've seen what's going on in Philadelphia and other places right now, um, schools need to be prepared for chaos. Yeah, I can imagine teaching and bringing up my teaching days, Keith, to say teaching in a high school in a predominantly uh, urban area 
what would happen if some if I was in that situation now, Keith, regardless of a win or a loss of the ele- whoever wins the election. So, Keith, I didn't you got to think about those things of people that are in the high schools right now, kids that are attending high school, depending on the area of the country. And that's a great point to add to the guidelines. Don't you agree, Keith? Yeah, you really have to think about um, about everything, especially at the high school level when it comes to um, the the unrest that we see in, in our cities and, and things that are going on. Um, those kids that are approaching, you know, adult age and, and uh, getting uh, up towards their junior and senior year, they really start paying attention to those issues and they really start wanting to participate. And so school officials have to be very wary and cautious uh, and uh, full of knowledge, so to speak, of what's going on around them, because you never know when something like that could uh, crop up in the school um, or, you know, like the guy said, uh, um, students want to walk out uh, for over a certain issue and participate in marches. It happened when my daughter was was in high school, and I'm sure it's happening all over the place right now, whether parents are in the know or not, the school officials have to keep their thumb on the pulse of those sorts of things. Well said, Keith. You know, you have to keep your, you have to keep your, or uh, how do I say, your fingers on that and understand that what's going on, but you also have to be neutral in that. And, and unfortunately, unfortunately, some people get, say things and to kids, and then that also causes problems as well in the schools and things. And I think that, we need to prepare our schools for the upcoming years here in that. And we've been talking about that. The social, as we said, the social unrest is, as you just said, Keith, that if they go and start participating in the, in that during school hours and they walk out of the school, what, what's going to happen? You know, in the past we've had where kids have walked out and kids have been involved in car accidents or been hit by cars and things like that. And we need to, we need to be prepared for that. That's another one that, you know, here, here's something that popped up from this, you know, and, and there's, we're, we expect in the next coming weeks, there's, there's going to be some, some more civil unrest. Well, I guess the plus with COVID-19 is masks uh, kind of decreases socialization and different things. So with everybody, that everyone's the same with wearing a mask, especially in school. So that right. kind of might help. I just couldn't imagine being in that position at teachers you're doing a tremendous service being on the front lines, working with these kids, especially with the challenges that you're going through. I couldn't imagine having COVID and what's going on with the civil unrest to be uh, teaching where I taught back in the day. So again, thank you again. Agreed. And I want to say something about- Guy, what other areas of- well, I worry about school resource officers as you talk about that. And uh, and not and that's not in every community. I, I, I want to reiterate, you know, school resource officers are so important to school safety. And it's not a, you know, being in the industry, being working in schools for 30, you know, 33 years, I never saw a prison, the, the or school, the prison pipeline. I just saw a lot of good men and women who wearing the badge and the uniform who served the community and served the schools and were part of the education process. So, uh, you know, that's a little bit of a worry right now. Again, I, I don't want to be political and things, but, you know, I really do truly believe that, you know, that, that 99.9% of our school resource officers, just like our teachers, they're important uh, to our schools as well. Great, great point. Uh, let's go. What other uh, new things to the guidelines from last year in the revision? Well, you know, one of them is visitor management systems. And 
when I look at the visitor management systems, and when we're talking about a visitor management system, almost every school in the country has a visitor management system. When your parent checks in or a guest checks into the school, they bat, they either do a driver's license swipe or or maybe they just sign in and, they, and the, the office secretary knows them, okay? But there are, every school has, has a process for check-in. So what we did though, was we looked at the visitor management components of school safety and put in a, I worked with several of the manufacturers that are out there and, and then worked with some of the schools on what they are using for best practices. So in the guidelines, we put in things that we would recommend that when a school district goes out to bid for a visitor management system, that they, they obtain these different services. And one of them is, for example, a background check. It uh, doesn't cost anything. It checks this, the, the SOR, the Sex Offenders Database, that uh, the National Sex Offender Database for all of your guests that are coming into the schools. The other one is, uh, you know, the OCR or, you know, driver's license swipes. That makes it a lot easier for the office staff in there to use the to to main uh, to monitor the system, and also makes the streamlining of getting guests in and out of the building quick. So the visitor management component was really really refined this year. Another one that was refined is we put in a, a white paper and we put it in a document. It was about the the, the drills and how to do the drills and exercises. And that the difference in drills and exercises is when we do active threat training, for example. And active threat training is when, you know, an active, you know, when you do a lockdown drill in a school, that could be, as we talked a little bit in about the beginning of this, can be very disruptive if you do it wrong or very scary and traumatic for staff and students in the community. So we worked with other school districts and others. Again, we, you know, not everybody's going to agree with us, but what our stance was is no unannounced lockdown drills, but you do the drills. You do at least two a year and you do them and you do them in an educational way that empowers the staff, the students and the community to understand what you're doing with those drills. Yeah, so you have go to, to do them. You just have to. I mean, the law to. enforcement officers have to be able to train in that environment so they know what to do when it comes right. right down to it. But you have to right. do it well with good communication among the, the staff and students. Well, there's ways to do it. Like, you know, what you just said, like the law enforcement side, there's drills and there's exercises. So a drill would be with the staff and then the exercises would be with the staff and the law enforcement side. So there's a lot of ways you can do this in a constructive way that does not uh, create panic and chaos and things that's, you know, I always felt like uh, the biggest thing as a school security director for me in that role was to educate the staff and the students to understand what to do, not, you know, to, and, and do it in an educational process, so to say, you know, empower them to have options. We think about, you know, the, the standard response from Homeland Security, run, hide, fight. You know, I look at it like uh, in my school district was shelter, evade, defend, and care, and having all those processes in there. And so when you put that into a young person's brain or a staff member's brain, that takes, it helps take a little bit of the fear away because they have something in their brain that gives them some directions on how to respond to those tragedies. So we kind of took that stance with the Partner Alliance for Safer Schools. And again, you're, you're right, Keith, we need to do those drills. Now we, now, okay, the, the chances of you being involved in, in an active shooter incident in a school is what I've heard anywhere from one out of 35 million. But every day, you know, every day there, and I could say where I was, there was probably a disgruntled parent 
that showed up at the school every day, started screaming and yelling, you know, it could have escalated, you know, those things could have escalated into a lockdown and things like that. So, you know, it's, it's, you have to be prepared for that. You know, schools are reflective of your city and your community. There's no way you can't do drills. Break that down for us. You mentioned uh, uh, shelter, evade, defend, and care. What is that? If you break that down into each segment, what's a, a kind of a quick definition of how that how you run well, through that? With I, I look at you know, and and again, looking as a looking at other incidents and looking at the incidents that I responded to or might you know unfortunately responded to because I'm not, you know. As you know, I yeah, I suffered PTSD, and I'm still dealing with that. You know, from the things that I've seen, and especially in the last eight years of my life, um, I always think about sheltering. There, it's you know, hopefully, you know, it's if there is a lockdown, you can get behind a closed door, and and that you know, you're going to be safe, and you're going to be in a corner out of you know, using the hard corner for you know, your sheltering. But realistically. No, that's not always going to be the way. You could, a kid could be down the hallway wanting to use a use the bathroom, or you know, or could be in the lunchroom, or they could be outside on the playground. You know, they need every one of those individuals needs to have a strategy, and they're not going to be possible. You know, if they're over the age of second or third grade, they're not going to be supervised at that time. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? They're going to be down at the down the hall. They're going to be out there with probably a couple uh, staff members out on the playground. Everybody needs to know some kind of strategies that they can utilize to get away. And see, that's the thing that I've noticed is if we didn't give kids people strategy or staff strategies, that's when you created the fear. But when you gave empowered people with some basic little things, it made them feel a bit better through the day. And that's what we're here. We're enabling, you know, our goal is not to scare the bejesus because the, the goal of educators is to, you know, teachers to teach, students to learn in the best possible way with the best academic performance. And it, and we have to do that because there's a strong correlation between good safety and security and emergency preparedness uh, policies and uh, and academic performance. Okay, great. Any, what other guidelines? Uh, okay. Well, another one was, another one is uh, radio interoperability. And in the past, PASS had a lot to say about the DAS radio systems and uh, the, the radio, how to achieve radio interoperability inside a school. And what I mean by radio interoperability was the enabling of the first responders radio systems to work in the school. You know, for example, when you build a school nowadays in the 2020, a lot of them have like steel roofs and things. And believe it or not, if, if I if I was going there with a police radio, it's not going to work in there. If I did not put cabling in there to enhance that signal, a signal of the first responder uh, in there. So what it is was we talked about DAS systems and bilateral amplifiers that which the cabling and putting that cabling in there and enables the first responder radios to work. And we put that in there as a really good how do I say questions or a good, uh, how do I say uh, summary for school officials to use when they are seeking a, a system, especially when they're building a new school, you're going to have to put one of those uh, systems in there. There's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And uh, we needed to make sure that that was in the guidelines because here's the mistake I made. And okay, I'm, I made lots of mistakes and that's what I'm trying to help others to avoid what I've done in my career. Well, I did it twice, okay, and I'm sorry, uh, I hate to say this, but 
where I didn't put a, in the projects, I didn't, I overlooked that part. Does that make sense? Like I didn't put a bilateral, a, an antenna system in my school to uh, protect, to increase the, or to make sure that the first responders could re respond or re use their radios in there. So I had to go back in and do it. It would have probably been uh, $25,000, you know, less for me to have done it in the construction phase. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah, Instead of retro. Sure, yeah, you have and, to have that, uh, that ability to communicate, especially in those emergency situations. And, you know, if you've, if you make a mistake, you you learn from it and uh, teach others how to do it better next time. And that's right. part of, and I, I part of what the guidelines I, do. You know, Keith, you're, you hit it there. And, and you know, it, I, you know, if anything that we can do is, and, I, and a lot of us that are participating in the past uh, as volunteers is learning, you know, putting forward our mistakes or mistakes that we've heard and how to overcome those mistakes. And I believe that when you look at that, the guidelines, you see those things in there that the, the narratives are, that are in there. Those are things are hard knocks that we have all learned and uh, and put forward to so other school officials will not will not have to face those. If they if they follow the guidelines, they're going to do well. So another so leading into that, Neil, as you asked that question is. We have a really good uh, guideline, a new checklist that was up there. Uh, if Keith could show it, uh, uh, that checklist, in my opinion, is very helpful for a school to do an audit. It's not going to cost the school district to do a security audit of their, of their how do I say, their security infrastructure or the things they want to do. Now, the, each of those, I want to say what's important with that audit and that checklist that you see there is the ability for us to use the narrative and then to say, is it in place? Is it in, not in place? Or is it needed? And right. comments and things that are in there. So if you look at it, that checklist is fantastic. And again, it's not going to cost any of anybody that goes to passk12.org. It's not going to cost them anything to do that. Okay. And in fact, I would say to any any of your educators out there, I'm there for you, okay? If you want help in how to use this, all you have to do is contact PASS and ask for, you know, Guy Grace or Mark Williams or Scott Lord, Mike Garcia, all of those individuals in there. We'll reach out to you. We're not going to charge you to do that. We're, what we're going to do is we're going to come in there. What we'll do is help you, okay? What what our goal is, we're a, we're a nonprofit and our goal is to help schools holistically apply good security components for their schools and their communities. We link to this on our website also. We'll make sure that this uh, school safety and security checklist is put up on the website along with the new guidelines. Because um, as, well, as, as a partner I, I, with PASS, we really want to let folks know that this is not only good for schools to review, this is good for our partners, our security integrators to view, um, and anybody who has an interest in uh, in safety in schools. A parent could download this information. A teacher can download this information. Uh, what, we're, what I'm saying is it's not, it's not confidential and things like that. It's just best yeah. practices that can be applied to schools across the nation. The key we must, you know, we must remember, though, you know, there's not a one-size-fits-all school safety solution for our schools. Schools are driven by community, geographical, cultural, all kinds of elements 
uh, how do I say, direct what a school district is going to do. When you go out to the East Coast or, you know, the schools are going to look different than the schools in Colorado and Wyoming, where I am. They're going to look a lot different on, the, you know, they're going to look a lot different on the West Coast. So, but what we have done is with the past document is put components in that can work from all of those uh, areas and all of those different geographical locations and things. And again, it's, it's a good way, you know, not every school district has a security director, not every community has a good integrator. Right. And when we look at you, Keith, okay, you know, often your companies like yourself, you, your company are going to help drive the direction of what that school district is going to do. And what we want, what we want to do is put forward how guidelines that you can help when you go to say a rural district like where I am, that they don't have a security director, but you're working with an integrator that's maybe driving 400 miles in to put in that security system. We need everybody to be on the same page or we're gonna be wasting a lot of time or, and we need to do it in a holistic way, not a way that like, you know, one of the biggest uh, mistakes I see school districts do, and, and I've done it in my past is bought a system and some kind of put a security component in, but I didn't address the the basic components first, and that that can get you in a lot of trouble. Or you go way too far, and then you create fear by all of the crazy measures you put in place. So there's a there. So there's it's really so important for us all to work together from the manufacturers, integrators, and to the school officials, and do it in a way that's bottom not line. Good. Yeah, the bottom line, guys, you don't. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Um, some of the work, right. some of the heavy lifting has been done for you on the front end via the guidelines and via this checklist. Um, so it's a great resource for, for uh, schools and security integrators to turn to, to learn how to do it properly. Well, the key is too, you know, when we look at the manufacturers at, that are out there, there are, they're not, you know, there's some big manufacturers and things that are out there that have really good products, but there's all kinds of manufacturers that have good products. And, and what this does is it allows school districts to get a bigger bang for their buck, in my opinion. And the bigger bang for their buck is it allows others to other great companies that can to compete in there and bring the best business to that school district and the best services and products to that school district. If we didn't have things like this, recommendations and guidelines, I believe, unfortunately, there would be a lot of uh, good things that would never come forth, so to say. Because what I believe this does is it, it, it also is enabling innovation in our industry. Yes. So and it's allowing everybody to, to compete. And who's the winner? It's the taxpayer and the school system. Exactly. Now, Guy, any other new provisions or that we have? Okay. Well, another one is we have a section on future technology. I think that's very important on our perspective on thermal imaging. You know, obviously with COVID right now, thermal imaging has popped up quite a bit. And we have a, some, uh, in, our, in our guidelines about thermal imaging, the pros and the cons and things. And again, thermal imaging is, and I'm not going to go into too much of it, you guys especially uh, Lens LNCSEC that understands thermal imaging, you know, being the manufacturer of video management systems. But there has to be some tremendous, you know, schools have to be very cognitive of 
rules, so to say. We have to follow the FDA rules. Now, being a part of the Fan Experience Innovation Institute, the NFL and others can be a little more loose on how they apply their technology. But in schools, we have to be very following government regulations and things like that. So the way in thermal imaging, the way most of it's working right now is you'd have to do some significant modifications to your entrances and things. So, uh, you know, black boards, things like that. So what we are worried about, what as a school official, I worry about is schools uh, investing in a thermal imaging that's going to get them in trouble with the government regulations and things like that. And, you know, then there's some rules about buying some foreign goods and things like that, which a lot of these uh, companies are coming from the Chinese market. Again, again, I'm not being bad when I say that. What I mean is there are rules about how we are supposed to purchase things with government money and things. And schools are government institutions. Another one is facial recognition. Now, I'm a proponent of facial recognition, okay? I'm, I'm excited about that. And when I look at the, uh, what we can do with threat assessments and using it inside our schools to basically be a force multiplier, and I'm not talking about, you know, you got black or white skin or brown skin or whatever detecting that. What I'm talking about is if somebody is on a threat assessment and they've been identified as a threat, they have said they're gonna hurt or kill people at a school, uh, do harm, you communicate with that individual and tell them, if you come to the grounds, we have detection ways to detect you and things like that. And they're identified through a threat assessment process. I think that a lot that is going to be the way to go for schools, not, you know, not, you know, it, or you know, we see the obvious is access control, you know, down the road where, you know, your face in the, you know, it will be your maybe your credential to be coming into school. So I don't want to see that uh, be eliminated because we're, we're going to see a video manufacturers like LA and the SEC and others are going to be using that down the road, in my opinion. And it's going to be a really good innovation for us in schools. But what we're trying to say in pass is, is not to deploy it in a controversial way. The threat assessments are not a controversial, a controversial item. In fact, most individuals in our country, community members, law enforcement, school officials want to see school districts doing something with their threat assessment processes. And that's why I'm excited about the, that as well. But obviously, there are a lot of other things that are in that document, you know, and the, we look at the expansion of the checklist. We look at the expansion of everything that we've done in there, it's really not a major revision, but it is a very, a lot, a lot more has been done in the narrative and a lot more has been done in that, in the processes uh, and the components and adding more components. So when you go through that document, what I would say to any school official, you know, COPS grants just came out two days ago. If you guys didn't know that, I just got forwarded some of the new COP grants that schools can apply for different uh, technology or improvements in their schools. Um, you can use that narrative from that past document to for your your cops grant. It's a good way to do that, and it will help you going forward to apply for those. So, what I would say to everybody, that's what we have done in this document. It's even a, a lot better uh, and a lot more uh, conductive for school official to use. Wow, a lot of great information, Keith. So, yeah. summarize, Guy Grace is again. Everyone needs to go check out Pass's website and we'll ask about that at the end as he's mentioned it one more time. But Keith, go ahead and summarize Guy for us. Well, guys, you know, I appreciate you really coming on and, and uh, 
telling us about some of the new things that you're seeing. It's always great to talk to you. And uh, I'm excited to dig into this. Uh, well, let me, can I bring up more. one more thing? This really sure, important. Absolutely. That, and, and I saw your sure. product at one, and again, I'm not trying to, I, I never had your product or, and I'm not trying to endorse anything. I'm sorry. But you know, one of the things I really liked what I saw was your graphical interfaces, your operator interfaces. We added that, uh, a, a summary in uh, the past document for companies to that are adding these products to bring in graphical interfaces, we call them. And these graphical interfaces that will help an operator to steer into the right places to get first responders to the right places in an emergency or for the school official to to you know if they need to buzz in a parent to do it quickly and more efficiently and things so what i am love to have seen we want to see is that kind of interface and interactivity that's in our past document as well and i wanted to give you guys kudos for that and seeing that from you know that as a part of the inter interface and things like that yeah, we so, really try to make it easy for people to navigate um, it, that's what our, we want to see. <laughs> yeah, our video management you know, it's, software. It's the worst thing. Parents hate that when they can't get in or doors or or yeah, staff members. If, yeah. if, if they hate that, and it's got to be easy to navigate. It's got to be um, great for real time situational awareness, which is a, a big thing for us. We always are trying to think of it from the perspective of the first responders, and um, I, I'm and I'm the monitors. And the secretary that's the, the secretary who's a key part of that security function at that school, you know, the whole the front end office staff, you know, it's just it's so important. And, and I think that, you know, not all manufacturers out there products have been doing that. Now it's starting to become sort of a popular thing to do. We need to encourage that because, again, we look at seconds save lives in emergencies, especially when you were talking about school and it's in its corridors and things like that. Right. And the ability for us to get real-time information in that emergency is important. But I also think about what we're going to use it for every day when Mrs. Smith shows up and she's like, she doesn't like that that to be left out of the school for that 15 seconds. So the quicker we are, the better they are. But we could use that for other emergencies as well. So I'll leave First it name wouldn't be Karen, would it? <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. Karen. <laughs> All right. So, Guy. Uh, where can we connect uh, with PASS so people can download the guidelines right now? PASSK12.org. 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 And it's free. doesn't cost anybody anything. Uh, if you want to uh, uh, contact me or, or the PASS, there's links on the website, or you can go to Guy Grace at PASSK12.org. And... We are there for you, and and I'm there to answer any questions. Uh, Twenty, that's what I do now, and uh, I will help any school district with any questions they may have and things like that. Again, we're a nonprofit; we're not seeking here any funding from you or anything else like that. We just want to go in there. We're here for your benefit. Okay, we want to thank Guy Grace again for coming on from the past and uh appreciate all our our great uh viewers out there and listeners and look to our next guest remember to go to lent.com slash live to check up with all the different episodes are available right at our website and please like the our pages and share this video
because it's very, very important for school educators, parents, and everyone to get on board. And the information that Guy was able to give us today was so valuable, and especially the new revisions to the guidelines. So I appreciate everybody coming by. All right. Okay, guys, that was, again, what's your perspective? Take care. Bye.